Daniel chapter 10. Uh, We are in our series. We've been on this journey for a while in Daniel 10. Our series is called Stand Up and Stand Out. And we've seen that over and over and over in our series. Uh, What what I want to do is keep something in front of you that we have been talking about uh, over the last two weeks. Uh, So just to start with a reminder, I know some students are back today as a reminder of things that we have been talking about over the last two weeks. We've been in Daniel chapter nine over the last two weeks. And so this is what we have been seeing in the life, in the prayer, in the faithfulness of Daniel. Um, He has um, an honest, uh, humble, um, real, awareness of his need for God to be in his life, to show up, to give him strength. Um, It is raw, it is real. And also a, a, a foundation of confidence and faith in the midst of his need, in the midst of his lament. In the midst of being uh, uh, enslaved in Babylon for 67 years, an awareness of need, also a confidence in the grace of God, the hesed of God, the steadfast love of God, and the mercy of God. And what we are seeing from Daniel's testimony is that his awareness of need, added with his confidence in God's grace and mercy, has given Daniel an empowered sense of perseverance where he is able to hold together lament and hope at the same time. An empowered and hope-filled perseverance. And that's what we've been learning, uh, what, what it means for the people of God to hold lament and hope together as we live our lives, as we trust and follow him. We've learned from Daniel since we began this, this testimony of a humble yet courageous faith in much difficulty. Uh, We're coming toward the end of our series. Uh, There are 12 chapters in Daniel. We're in Daniel 10 today. Uh, Just like 30,000 foot flyover reminder of how the book is organized. The first six chapters of Daniel are narrative stories of Daniel and his three friends and the things that were happening in their lives um, uh, in Babylon, enslaved in Babylon uh, with all of Israel. Um, The last six chapters are apocalyptic from chapter 7 to 12. It's all about end times prophecy, what is happening in the end times, what is happening around uh, the second coming of Jesus. And so Daniel uh, gets a a vision, an apocalyptic vision, his first one in chapter 7. And he got his second apocalyptic vision uh, in chapter 8. And then he prays uh, Daniel's prayer in chapter 9. Uh, And then as we get to 10 to 12, chapters 10 to 12 is his third and final apocalyptic vision and supernatural interaction um, with an angel. And so that's where we're going to be today. Um, And before we get there, I just want to say one of the things that I said from the very beginning about this study of Daniel is that Daniel, the book of study, the, the study of Daniel offers hope, like real tangible hope to all of the future generations of God's people. And so, and that is hope now for us. Like we are the future generations of God's people from Daniel. And so this is real tangible hope for us today. And I think of a couple of things like hope in God's justice, hope in God's justice. We've seen in our study, this reality that while there have been, are, will be world kingdoms that come against God, that come against 
uh, his way and his heart of restoration and peace and joy and hope and love, God will ultimately destroy his enemies and bring his kingdom over all nations. And so uh, there's hope for us today in thinking about uh, the, the, the justice of God and also uh, the hope in the Messiah, uh, the fulfillment of the, the messianic prophecies in Daniel, in, in Jesus himself, this hope in Jesus. Uh, when you read the gospels, Jesus himself uses the prophecies of Daniel specifically in confronting religious Jewish leaders who were rejecting him. And he uses Daniel to establish himself in, in Daniel's language as the son of man, as the Messiah, the savior of the world. And so I pray today that as we continue this series, that there would be a hope, a strengthening of hope for you as we look at this. Let me, let me give you um, a timeline for chapter 10 contextually. Uh, chapter nine, last two weeks, Israel uh, had been in captivity for 67 years. The prophecy of Jeremiah said that they would be in exile for 70. So as Daniel prays his prayer in Daniel nine, he knows and believes that there's three more years for Israel to be held captive. Um, and so that was contextual last week. Daniel was around 80 or so years old at the time of Daniel. Nine. As we come to Daniel 10, uh, the very beginning of the chapter, it gives us uh, the year of what's happening here. It's the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And what Cyrus, the king of Persia does in his first year is that he finally, at 70 years, issues a decree for the liberation of the Jews, allowing them to return to Jer Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. So that happened in year one, which was after 70 years. Well, now it's year three for Cyrus the king. So timeline from Daniel nine is this. We're five years after Daniel nine. We're at year 72. Are y'all with me right now? Here's what's, here's what's interesting about Daniel 10. Daniel is still in Babylon. He prayed the prayer in Daniel nine, looking and it's like three more years of perseverance. It happened. Israel got to go home and rebuild their temple. Daniel had to stay in Babylon. The text doesn't tell us why. Daniel doesn't tell us why. He's, he's around 85 years old by this time. Maybe he, he was so elderly, he couldn't actually go on that journey. Perhaps there was something that happened um, and he wasn't allowed to return. We don't know, but what I know is this for, for Daniel, lament, lament. He's still, he's still there. 85 years old, still in Babylon. And so while he's still there, he receives this third vision about the future of Israel. And not surprising, it was a word about a great war at the very beginning of chapter 10. Daniel in Daniel 9, chapter 9, Gabriel told Daniel five years before that times of trouble were coming for the Jews and that war will continue until the end. And now five years later, Daniel's still in Babylon and, and the word is there's gonna be a great war. Not just times of trouble for the Jews for that time on and war would continue, but the great war, speaking about the seven year tribulation. Another way to translate great war is great conflict or great suffering. And so because of all these things, Daniel goes into mourning on behalf 
of his people. And I believe on behalf of himself, he is in lament. The beginning of chapter 10 says he goes into fasting and grieving for three weeks. And in this space of lament, he leaves Babylon. He travels with some of his friends 20 miles from Babylon to the great Tigris River. And there at the Tigris River, he has his third vision and the third revelation of the future of Israel. And that's where I want to pick up this morning. Uh, We'll start, uh, we'll read five to nine together. We're just going to slowly work through kind of three different um, spaces as we work through Daniel 10. So he's on the Tigris River. He's been grieving for three weeks. He's got a revelation of this great suffering that's coming. In verse five, he says this, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite and his face was like lightning and his eyes like flaming torches and his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men that were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale. I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face, my face was to the ground. Um, First question here, this man dressed in linen, uh, perhaps Gabriel again. Uh, Gabriel had already uh, shown up in Daniel's life two times previous. Daniel doesn't say it's Gabriel, uh, but perhaps it was Gabriel again. Regardless, it was a supernatural revelation of an angel coming to visit Daniel. And it's mysterious as we read the words. It's mysterious because Daniel could see the vision and he could hear what was being spoken. But it says that those who were with Daniel, they sensed some supernatural thing happening, but they couldn't see what Daniel saw. But they were so filled with terror from this supernatural reality that they ran away and hid themselves. And it's mysterious. If you remember uh, the story of Paul in Acts chapter nine, and he's on the road to Damascus, And in Acts chapter eight, Paul was in Jerusalem murdering Christians. And the risen, resurrected Jesus in Acts chapter nine shows up in, on the road to Damascus, revelation, and Paul becomes a follower of Jesus. Acts chapter nine, you know the story. Listen to what it says in Acts nine. It says, the men who were traveling with Paul stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Isn't that interesting? Paul saw Jesus, heard Jesus. They didn't see, but they, but they heard the voice. In John 12, there is this reality where the father is speaking audibly to the son. And what it says in John 12, it says, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. So in that particular circumstance, they not only, they, they couldn't see, they didn't even hear what the audible voice of the father was to the son, but they, when they described it, it was like it was 
thundering like a multitude. There's some kind of mysterious phenomenon on these supernatural uh, breakthroughs. And it happens in Daniel 10 as well. When a person experiences this supernatural encounter, those nearby may sense that something is happening without seeing clearly or hearing clearly what is actually happening. But Daniel, he heard, he saw. On the Tigris River, no strength left. He falls to his, with his face to the ground. And he's in good company. We think about um, stories in the scripture where God is revealing himself, either Jesus the Lord himself or angels revealing themselves. And we see it happen over and over. The people that are given the revelation, they just, they hit the floor. They hit the floor. It happened in the life of Abraham. Abraham is spoken to by the Lord. Abraham, face to the ground. Ezekiel did the same. King David did the same. The apostle John, the first chapter of Revelation, the island of Patmos, the apostle John is gonna get the revelation from Jesus himself. It says this in Revelation 1.17. John says, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus in his glory, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he, speaking of Jesus, Jesus placed his right hand on me. He touched John and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. I want you to have that that visual of Jesus touching John with his face to the ground, because that is exactly what happens in the next passage, uh, in the next verses in Daniel chapter 10. So Daniel, he's at the Tigris, face to the ground. All of his people have run away. They've hid themselves. He's in a deep sleep, face to the ground. Verse 10, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed or you who are greatly loved. Remember the word of Gabriel last week in Daniel's prayer, the first thing he told Daniel? Same thing, right? But before Gabriel tells Daniel to consider this vision and understand the vision, he speaks to Daniel, first and foremost, you're gonna be reminded right here, right now, you are greatly loved of God. And it happens again in chapter 10. He touched him, he touched him. You who are highly esteemed, you who are greatly loved, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, since the very first day, from day one, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Think about this for just a second. Five years have gone by. The Jewish people got to go home two years prior. He's still in Babylon. Can you imagine the lament? Can you imagine his questioning? Is God still with me? Does God still hear me? 
Is that not relevant to my life and your life when we are in a season of lament and we're asking our own questions and we're wondering, is God still with me? Is God answering my prayer? Does he hear my prayers? The angel comes to Daniel's from the very first day that you prayed, we have been listening. God has heard everything that you have said over these years and I, I have now been sent to you. Your words were heard and I have come in response to them. I think this is so, so significant, so strengthening, so relevant for us. Anyone here, does any, maybe, maybe this is just me. Does anyone here question God's love for you when you are in a place of lament? Does anyone here wrestle with God's presence and power in your life when you are in a season of lament and grief with big questions. Daniel needed a fresh, I believe this, Daniel needed a fresh revelation of this truth in his lament. Daniel, I've come to tell you again, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told you five years before. You are highly esteemed and greatly loved. Stand up on your feet, do not be afraid. God is with you. He has heard everything you have prayed and I have been sent to give you understanding and revelation. Powerful. Jesus is the same today, yesterday and forever and forever. Hebrews 13, eight. In our lament, in my lament, your lament, in our lament, in our fear, God comes to us and he touches us. He touched, we see that over and over, he touched me, he touched me. And he raises us to our feet with an empowered perseverance and hope. Here's the flow, here's the flow of the words. Um, that is too far. Here's the flow of the words. You are loved, stand upright, do not fear. You are loved, stand upright, do not fear. Fear. Daniel was in lament. He was anxious. Anyone else, anyone else feeling anxious today? Or is it just Daniel? Right? Maybe there's relational anxiety in your life. There's brokenness in your family and your friends, coworkers. There's, I got, I got questions. I'm anxious. Um, maybe it's around sickness. I got anxiety around this pandemic. I, I'm I'm afraid of death. I'm just, there's so much, I feel so much anxiety about those things. Maybe it's about the future. Maybe as a parent, you feel a sense of anxiety about the future for our kids and all of the unknown. Maybe it's finances. Maybe just anxiety in general about all of the chaos and all of the confusion and all of the division that is happening. Maybe it's just me and Daniel. Today, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, think, I think maybe it's more than just me and Daniel. The angel's explanation, the, the verses that we just read, helped alleviate his fears. And they help alleviate our fears. This is the living word of God. 
This word is authority. It is living. It is active. It is for life and faith and healing and restoration and redemption. So the, the, the promise that the angel gave Daniel to help alleviate his fear is as alive today as it, ha, as it ever has been and as it was to Daniel that day. Do you believe this? And that when we come under the authority and the life-giving teaching of the word, we, we get liberated and delivered from our anxiety and our fears. And this is what, this is what I want to um, engage with us on as we, as we finish up today. Because what the angel told Daniel is this, like your prayers have been heard from day one and I'm here because of them. And perhaps Daniel was concerned about the delay. I mean, five years, is a, it's, that's a while. The apparent delay in God's answer to his prayers, time, time had elapsed for sure, but God was moving from day one. And in our finite understanding, in our human understanding of trying to wrap our minds and our hearts and our faith around the infinite reality of God's sovereignty, I believe and it's, this is a natural thing to do. And it's, it's uh, I do it, you do it, we all do it. It's natural for us when we're not getting the answers that we want from God in the time that we want them or prayers even go unanswered in our lament. It's so easy for us to swing it to fear and question God. Maybe he's not with us. Maybe he, maybe this, maybe that. I think that was certainly true of Daniel. We wonder if he hears us. We wonder if prayer actually works. Again, maybe only me and Daniel. But God was moving from day one. And the message was this, I always hear you. I always hear you. And I'm always moving. I believe that this message from the angel to Daniel was a great, empowering strength and encouragement to him. Question is it also a great encouragement? Does it also bring strength to you today, now? We must learn, church, to trust Jesus regardless of the time that elapses. We must learn, brothers and sisters, we must learn that if we don't get the answer to that prayer that we prayed so hard about, do you not think that Daniel was praying that he would get to go home to Jerusalem after 70 years? Oh, he was praying that prayer. We must learn to trust in God's sovereignty when we don't get the prayer that we prayed so hard about. And we gotta be careful too around that language, I think. Like, I prayed so hard. And because I prayed so hard, now God is on the hook to do what I prayed and said he would do in the time that I want it done. And we swing our minds and hearts back to the old covenant. And we don't live in the old covenant, we live in the new covenant. And we, but we have this legal way of thinking, oh, because I prayed hard, as if like, you know, people's like, I'm praying so hard, just pray, just trust God and pray. We don't have to like pray hard or pray, just pray, right? But sometimes I think we, we get tripped up because I did that the right way. And God is not bringing the answer that I prayed for. Does this make sense? Here's where I go in my life when I'm in that wrestle. Isaiah 55, eight through nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do you trust in the sovereignty of God? Do you find rest in the sovereignty of God when the timeline is not what you would choose or the answer is not what you would choose? Deuteronomy 29, 29 The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to us belong to us and they belong to our children forever. Will there be questions in our lives? Yes, and let me just say this to you. In a loving, kind, but assertive, pastoral kind of way, you are not going to get all the answers to your questions. And the more you demand to get questions, answer that you don't have answers, the more you will wrestle with God and be prone to fear. There is a sovereignty of God that brings us to a place of rest in our life when we trust in God, even if the timeline is not what we want, and even if the answer is not what we have prayed for. Here's what has been revealed. The secret things belong to the Lord, but here's what has been revealed to us and to our children. Let's finish reading it. This is the revelation to Daniel, and this is the revelation to us. Verse 13, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Uh, I read a lot of commentary on this this week, and uh, commentators believe that uh, this angel had been assigned specifically to Daniel, and he was delayed for 21 days. And why was he delayed? Because he was in a spiritual battle with the prince of the Persian kingdom. He was in a battle with one of the fallen angels that, were, that was under Satan's command to thwart the purposes of God for Daniel and Israel. This is spiritual warfare kind of stuff right now. I was delayed 21 days, but then Michael, one of the chief priests, um, the New Testament calls Michael the archangel. He came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people, to the people Israel in the future for the vision concerns the time, a time yet to come. This is specifically about the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, the great war, if you will. That's what Daniel 10.1 was talking about. And while this angel, while he was saying this to me, Daniel says, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and then I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish. Because of the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Verse 19, and the one who looked like a man touched me. There it is again. Touched me and gave me strength. Here's, here, this is the revelation truth. Do not be afraid, O oh man, highly esteemed, or O oh man, greatly loved, over and over and over again. He touched me and said, you are highly loved. And then he said, peace, exclamation point, peace to you, the shalom of God to you. Be strong now, be strong. 
Another way to translate that is be strong now and be of great courage today, right now. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, Lord, since you have given me strength. And so he said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Spiritual warfare kind of stuff going on in the heavenly realms. Michael, the archangel, gets involved. Presumably, heaven's most powerful angel came to help the angel that had been assigned to Daniel. He speaks of this time yet to come, this great war, the seven-year tribulation. And this in reference to the tribulation, along with the fact that Daniel was still in Babylon two years after his Jewish people got to go home. All of these things, this, all this revelation, Daniel was totally, totally overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed. Not only for what's going on in my life now, but what's gonna happen later, Daniel swings it back to anxiety again, back to uh, being overwhelmed. The language here almost sounds like Daniel had a panic attack. Verse 16 says, um, I was overcome with anguish. Verse 17, I, I, right? I, I could hardly even breathe. And Daniel, verse 19 and 20 and following, gets supernatural strength from the angel. The angel touched me. When you get a, a, a real encounter, an encounter with the living God, a touch from God about the truth of the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus and his presence in your life, his power, his love, his presence in your life, you get strength and period. When God touches you in a fresh way, you, the people of God get strengthened. The language, again, the same thing, you are greatly loved and highly esteemed. The exhortation, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The exhortation, peace, be at peace, exclamation point. And then this language, be strong now, be strong or be strong and of good courage, be strong and courageous. Does that remind you of another story in the Old Testament before Daniel? Remember Joshua? He's getting the baton of leadership from Moses. It's the end of the 40 years of wandering and Moses doesn't even get to go in the promised land. He gets to see it from Mount Nebo and Joshua is going to lead the people Israel into the promised land. In the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one, the Lord God tells Joshua three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Three times in the first nine verses. Here's what Joshua 1.9 says. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Five years, you guys, from Daniel's prayer to today, five years of wandering, wondering and waiting, five years of grieving, lament and hope, five years, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Whatever timeline you're on in your life, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Be strong now. Jesus, 
the Lord's Supper, John 16, Thursday night before Good Friday, he would go to the cross the next day. He's empowering his disciples to take the baton of ministry and to literally turn the world upside down. And he says to them in verse 33 of John 16, in the Last Supper, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Same exhortation from Daniel 10, peace to you, so that in Jesus we may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There will, there will be lament. Every disciple, every disciple, Jewish history teaches us every Every 12 most likely died a martyr's death for their faith. You will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Do you, do you hear? Do you see? Do you understand the theme? Joshua 1, Daniel 10, John 16. Do you understand and believe what is written over and over and over and over and over again in this book of truth that is here to liberate us and set us free and to give us a hope that will never be taken away for us? It's an anchor for the soul. Do you understand what the theme is? And it is this, church, you are loved. Stand up. Stand upright and stop living in fear. Be strong and of good courage. Take heart. God is with you wherever you go. He'll never leave you or forsake you over and over and over again. Do you believe this? Will you be empowered and strengthened by this today? Will you allow these promises to touch your soul in a new way and strengthen you and empower you in your life. Jesus, John chapter six, he said this, whoever, whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Lord God is with you wherever you go. Jesus said it this way in John six, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. If you do a Greek word study on the word never, when Jesus says, I'll never Right when he says, I'll never drive you away, and you like you do a really deep Greek word study original like, guess what never means? Never. Yep, that's right. See, you guys are Greek scholars. You didn't even know it. Ryan, I love you on the front row. I love you on the front row. Um, I'll never, I'll never leave you. Never drive you away. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Jesus shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. You are secure. The grace of God is touching you and the love of God is saying to you, stand up, don't live afraid. It's an empowered hope so that we can persevere through the trouble, so that we can take heart in our lives. First John 4, this book of truth says that the perfect, unconditional love of Jesus drives out our fear. And what I wanna say to you, what that means is this, we don't have, we, we, we have to learn how to live with lament and hope, but we don't have to learn how to live with fear. We actually need to believe in the revelation of God's love and God's presence and his power so that fear leaves the sons and daughters of God. 
Do not be afraid over and over and over and over and over and over again in this book of truth. We are not called to live in fear. Perfect love cast out fear. Some of you in this room don't know how to live without fear and anxiety. If you're honest, I don't know even know what it's like to live free from fear and anxiety. And I'm telling you, I'm proclaiming to you, I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you, I'm inviting you to come under the authority of God's teaching today that healing from fear and restoration and redemption from fear, it is in Jesus and it is in his truth that sets you free, amen? This, this is why we sing hallelujah, right? And so I pray a revelation of the supernatural touch power, presence of God to fall fresh today on anyone in this room who needs deliverance from fear and anxiety in their lives. Lord, will you touch those who are in bondage to fear? Will you give them, will you give them strength like you gave Daniel strength to stand up and to live at peace like you sent the angel to Daniel. I pray that you send your angels to this room right now and opening, Lord, by our faith to the supernatural encounters with the living God. Lord, we don't wanna just check a box today and say we went to church. What we need, what we need is a revelation of God in our lives to taste and see and know in a fresh way that you're a good father and that you're here with us. So I pray, Lord, touch us in a fresh way. Strengthen us by faith. Lord, remove a spirit of religion from this room so that we can taste freedom today. Do not be afraid. The Lord declares over you. All of you who are highly esteemed and greatly loved in this room. Peace. The Lord declares to you a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus himself says it this way, my peace I give to you. Be strong now, right now. Be strong in the merciful, gracious presence of God. And the God of all grace who called you by his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong. Lord, make us strong right now, firm and steadfast. Lord, thank you for this word from 1 Peter 5. Lord, touch us, deliver us. Remove fear and anxiety. Lord, we need you and we need a fresh revelation so that we will have confidence and your grace and mercy this morning so that we can live with an empowered, hope-filled perseverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.